going to die and I'm going to resurrect. Let's look at the next verses. Keep going. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can. No one can rob you of that joy. Verse 22 in the NIV says, so with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. He's not talking about his return. He's talking about his resurrection. It's happened. And Jesus has accomplished it. And because of his resurrection, we have a joy that is untakeable. Amen? Amen? Um, Let's look at this. Salvation comes from God, not ourselves. I know we get confused about that. Uh, God's not doing it fast enough or our way will help him out. Salvation comes from God, not ourselves. Let's look at Psalm 34 real quick. Verse five. I'll read it to you. It says those who look to him, to God, those who look to God, not within themselves, but those who look to God are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. Say never. See, those who look to him are radiant with joy, radiant, their face is shining. Their faces will never be covered in shame. They will never be ashamed. That's something that's not taking away that joy. Why? Because God's salvation is complete and it is final. But I, we're getting ahead of ourselves. In the end, New Living, it says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. When we look to him and his salvation, he gives us joy that can't be taken. That might be a song. We should write that. So let's look at the the third point under joy can't be taken. What, What Christ has done cannot be undone. What Christ has done cannot be undone. John 1930 Jesus on the cross, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. It is, it is done. The wrath of God had been poured out and satisfied on the sacrifice of Jesus. And what he's done, there is no other way to be made right with God. That's it. There is no other way. And what he has done, it is finished once and for all. He's not going to die on the cross again. It was satisfied. God's, God's justice was satisfied. And so what he has done cannot be undone. You can't be so bad of a sinner that Christ's sacrifice on the cross doesn't cover that. There's nothing you can do that you won't receive God's forgiveness. So long as you come in repentance. I'm going to get into a very difficult um, thing. This is my favorite part of the message. 
The joy of the Lord is our strength. How many of you guys already wrote that down? None? Aw, I'm proud of you guys. Thank you for staying with me. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Raise your hand if you've heard that. Raise your hand if you've said that. Okay, that's about three quarters of us. Almost all of us. Right? And we're saying that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when do we say that? Normally when we're, we're down. We're beaten. And so let's go into a little bit more. Um, let's unravel this. Let's keep it in context. Because it doesn't mean what I think many people think it means. So this is in Nehemiah. Get your Bibles out and let's look at Nehemiah. All right. Uh, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. This is like a big, big thing. Nehemiah chapter 8, on the one that says the book and the chairs in front of you, it's on page 524. What had happened here, um, you've got Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra had, had come back to Jerusalem uh, 14 years before Nehemiah came on the scene. It had been 14 years. Ezra was talking and, and preaching to the Jews about the law of God, about God's requirements, because their spiritual condition, they were, it was deplorable. They're worshiping false gods. They're, they're, we'll just say they're bad people, Okay. And Ezra has been preaching to them coming up on 14 years and Nehemiah comes on the scene. He sees that the walls around Jerusalem, they had built the temple of Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple 70 years earlier. But for all those 70 years that the temple had been rebuilt, the walls of Jerusalem were still in shambles. There were, there were no walls. And that, that made them vulnerable to attack. And, and the, the city, was it, that was part of its glory with the walls of Jerusalem. And this burdened Nehemiah's heart. It, it broke his heart. And so he, he asked the king Artaxerxes of, um, I believe it was Persia. Um, and he asked for permission to go down and, and organize this work. And in 52 days, less than two months, 52 days, he had organized all of the Jews uh, with opposition against them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It was amazing. It was impossible but apart from god everything's impossible and so what we see here in nehemiah chapter 8 the walls had just been rebuilt and now there was a call to come back to god this was this was happening the first day of the seventh month which according to the jewish calendar was around september october and uh that's what's happening here was about the equivalent of our new year's celebration so it was a special time because the Jews celebrated the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the month. Then they did the Day of Atonement on the 10th day. And then the Feast of Tabernacles from the 15th to the 21st day. All right, this is all out of Leviticus 23. For those of you who are writing, who care, you want to see why we have all these um, festivals. And see, this was the perfect time for the nation to get right with the Lord and make a fresh new beginning which is what we're looking at. We're coming up on New Year's. We're looking at wanting to keep Jesus the reason for the season and a fresh beginning. We want to get things right. And there was this call to worship. And we're looking at around 
30 to 50,000 people all gather around to hear Ezra give this, to read the law of the Lord. 30 to 50,000 people are gathering around. And what we have, there's a united congregation. They honored the scriptures and they were willing to devote half of their day. Hear me out. They're willing to, to, to devote half of their day to hearing the word of God read and taught. Say half of the day. Okay, that's a long time. See, they didn't worship the book of scripture. They worshiped the God who spoke through the book. Amen? So, just a little thing I found. In Eastern Europe, before the, the collapse of the, the communist bloc, there were believers that would stand for hours in crowded churches to hear biblical teaching. But the average church in America over here, the shorter the sermon, the better. Which is why I'm trying to hurry up. Because I know we've got plans, we've got football, we've got other things on our docket. We've got lunch making, being in the crock pot. We've got Christmas shopping to finish up. So quick it, quicken up. Come on, let's go, Joel. And honestly, that's very dishonorable. Not just to whoever's preaching. You dishonor God. That heart attitude is, is wrong. And if that's you, get right with God. <clears throat> the fill in the blank there is, they had heard God's word and understood them. They had heard God's words and understood them. I know you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I know a lot of you, and most of the time we hear something, we hear it, and, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense, and then somebody else says it, and <laughs> I get it now. Yeah? I mean, have you ever had that? You're talking to your kid. Um, and you're trying to tell them a, a point, a, a life lesson, and they're just like, doo, 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 and they're just, they're just, they're not getting it. And then somebody, they come home a month later, and they hear it from some inspirational talk or a teacher, and you're like, I spent the last three months trying to drill this into you. What do you mean you get it now? It's not brand new. And that's where it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's different when you understand the word of God. And we're going to see what happens. When we understand God's word, there's something that happens. Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. You see, the common people, they didn't own copies of the scriptures. Raise your hand if you have a Bible. Okay. We are blessed beyond what we even know. There are 53 nations in this world where they're considered, considered hostile nations. Possessing a portion of scripture from the Holy Bible will get you imprisoned, tortured, or murdered. There's stories of slaves who were caught with a Bible and the slave owner used 
tore pages out of the Bible to use as toilet paper just to mock and degrade that slave's faith in Christ. And that slave would then go and retrieve that and clean that paper off, treasuring every page. And we take those things for granted. God speaks and we just in one ear and out the other. And it should, it should stir in us. What we see is that in here, there were Levites. There were people that were going in the, the crowd. Can we put that scripture back up? Verse 8. As Ezra was talking, there were people that were going through the crowds and translating, speaking to these other people in their own language so they could understand it. Ezra was talking when there was pauses. There were people, the scribes and, and other Levites, the servants that were there. Um, the word was translated and it was expounded in such a way that the people could apply. Say apply. That the people could apply it to their lives. Not just head knowledge. Not just heart knowledge. But that it made it to their hands. They could apply the word of God to their lives. So, here's something important I want you guys to know. When they're looking at the book of the law of God, this is about Moses. You guys know the Ten Commandments? From the time of Moses to now, the language, the Hebrew language would have gone, undergone um, a lot of changes since the days of Moses. And, um, you know, everyday language of the Hebrews would have been different. The conversational language of the Hebrews would have been different than how they talked back in, in Moses' day. You see, we need new translations of the Bible. Not because the Bible changes, but because our language changes. I'll say that again. We need new translations of the Bible, not because the content changes, but because our language changes. So, suppose that I, it was mandatory that you guys had to read John Wycliffe's version of the Bible. The oldest version in English. All right. How much of this passage would you understand if you didn't already know it from another translation? Go ahead and put that up. All ye that trowlen and been charged, come to me, and I shall fulfill you. Take ye my yoke on ye, and learn ye of me, for I am mild and meek in heart, and ye shall and find rest to your souls, for my yoke is soft and my charge light. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, come to me, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, John Wycliffe's translation goes back about 630 years. That's about 1382 AD. That's before the King James Bible came out. And between, that's only 630 years. Between Moses' writings and what they heard, over a thousand years had passed. So think about the difference in language and the necessity for people to have it interpreted and help them to understand each passage. Let's go back to Nehemiah 8.8. 8. And let's continue reading all the way through here. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. Then Nehemiah, the governor, 
as were the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. Why? Because this is like their new year's celebration. We're starting afresh. They had just had gone through the day of atonement. They're forgiven. And this is a celebration. And so he's saying, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this for today is a sacred day before the Lord, your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. What was the response to understanding God's word? What was the people's response to understanding God's law? For the people had all been weeping. The people had all, upon hearing God's word, why? I'm going to read this note. This um, is from a commentary, the Bible exposition commentary. It says, the Jews had just observed the annual day of atonement and the Lord had dealt with their sins. So they should have been rejoicing in his forgiveness. On the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Tabernacles follows the day of atonement, giving God's people an entire week of happy celebration. When God makes you clean and right, There's a celebration. The sequence is important. First, conviction. Then cleansing. And then celebration. Assisted by the Levites, Nehemiah convinced the people to stop mourning and start celebrating. You see, it was wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us. It is as wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. Some of you guys might want to write that down. It is as wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. It's wrong. It should not happen. We should not rejoice and revel in our sinfulness. And when God has forgiven us, we shouldn't keep holding on to that. We need to embrace his forgiveness and celebrate his passion for us, his love for us. Amen. Can I get an amen? Because we, we spend so much time dealing with this conviction that brings us to repentance. And then we want to step way back into cond- condemnation. Where we just want to scoop vomit and pour it all over ourselves. And we want to make ourselves feel really, really sorry for what we did. I thought we were in the first place. So that's why we came to the foot of the cross. And when his forgiveness is poured out, it is not poured out, oh, just mostly. It's complete. Say complete. He is complete in his forgiveness. And there is no wrinkle. There is no spot. There is no blemish. You are forgiven. And you have been wiped clean. Amen? This is not something to be like upset about. This is something that I am truly forgiven. And I am a new creation. I am new. And this is something we can celebrate. It is as wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is to rejoice when sin has conquered us. The sinner has no reason for rejoicing and the forgiven child of God has no reason for mourning. Yes, as God's children, we carry burdens and know what it is to weep. But we also experience power that transforms sorrow into joy. The secret of Christian joy is to believe what God says in his word and act upon it. Faith isn't based on the word. It is not faith that is not based on the word is not faith at all. It is presumption. It is superstition. Joy that isn't based 
and is it, that isn't the result of faith is not joy at all. It's only a, a good feeling that will soon disappear. Faith based on the word will produce joy that will weather the storms of life. Verse 10. Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people telling them, hush, don't weep for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food and to celebrate, say celebrate, with great joy because they had heard God's word and understood them. They had heard God's word and understood them. You'll see in your note there, understanding is mentioned six times in chapter eight. Nehemiah chapter 8. Understanding God's word is important. If you read your Bible every day and you don't understand it, it's worthless. Get a translation you can understand. Talk to your pastor. Talk to another respected believer. Even better, pastor is launching, you'll see in, the, in your bulletin, this thing called Reflect. It's pretty cool how this works out. It's, it's reading through the Bible in one year. Raise your hand if you've ever read the Bible in its entirety. Wow, that's good. I'm impressed. There's about seven. I'm impressed. This, this thing called reflect is where we read and then we reflect on it. We want to understand it. Why? So we can act on it. It brings out change in our lives. And so this thing called reflect, say reflect... Okay, this is a, a program, the th- a thing that we're doing. We're going to need to start home groups up. When I say home groups, I mean plural, groups. Not, not one, many. There needs to be many groups started. It would be awesome if we had two in Bel Air, two in Moundsville, two in St. C, two in Shadyside, two in Powhatan, two in Martins Ferry. And two wherever else you live. Okay? Um. Why? What's the purpose? The people gather to hear and understand God's word. That's what happened in Nehemiah chapter 8. They gathered to hear, and then there were other people who were speaking to them and helping them to understand in their language what God's word meant. That's the necessity for us with home groups. We're going to read the portion, we're going to be reading through the Bible. We gather together once a week at a home group to talk about what we've been reading. That's also called accountability. Say accountability. That's what every one of us needs. We talk a good talk, but it's really hard to walk it. You see, when we understand God's word, it is a cause of celebration. That's the beginning of transformation. That's the second banner on the other side of this wall over here, where it says, be, I'm sorry, the third banner, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind through his word. So this is what we're getting at. This is why I love the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, because we're going to say, I got the joy and that's my strength. I'm going to flip that on its ear. What is the joy of the Lord? 
You guys are going to tell me something along the lines of happiness and confident expectation of God or whatever. No, what is the joy of the Lord? What is the Lord's joy? What brings him joy? What is his joy? Us. Amen. Us. That's your blank. I am. I am the Lord's joy. I am the Lord's joy. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Read this with me, verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Wait a minute. Because of the what awaiting him? The joy awaiting him. What is this joy of God? I am. I am the joy of the Lord. He delights in me. He delights in you. Would you say that? He delights in me. That that should stir something inside of you when you say God delights in me. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is that joy? That joy is relationship, intimate relationship with God like it was in the Garden of Eden. You guys remember? No, you don't. I wasn't there either. We see in Genesis chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, when it all starts to go bad, Jesus, God comes down to walk with them in the cool of the evening. As that's what he did. Adam and Eve, they were just chilling with God. The presence of God. Without any shame, without any, oh, don't look at this area of my life. It was complete. It was perfect. And that's what he created us for. All of creation was created for our enjoyment. God doesn't need all of creation. He did that for our enjoyment, and he created us for his enjoyment. You guys getting this? Yes? And that, when there's this huge divorce now, because of our rebelliousness, because of our choice to say, no, God, I'm going to do what I want to do. I want to do what's best for me. I don't trust you to do what's best for me. That there's this huge divorce between us and God. And he, find, he makes ways for that to be made right. And that's the day of atonement that we hear in Nehemiah. And the atonement that was done once and for all was Jesus Christ. And what he accomplished on the cross brings us back to intimate relationship. When I say there is no spot, no wrinkle, no blemish, that you are completely clean and, and perfect before God, when you receive his forgiveness, you can't just hold it, you have to open it. The gift of forgiveness. You receive his forgiveness, his salvation. You are just like Adam and Eve. And you can hear the voice of God. And you can walk with him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit as a proof of his love for us. We have his presence that abides in us. And because of his presence, we have joy. His spirit, we have joy. I am the joy of the Lord. 
And that gives me strength. I understood the word of God as it was laid out. And Maya was broken because I am a sinner in need of a savior. I, I, I can't make it right on my own. That's why they were weeping. That's why they were mourning. Because this is the greatness of who God is. And I don't measure up. But he's provided the atonement. And we can celebrate because his forgiveness is complete. Amen? Shared joy. That's your next blank. No, it's not share your joy. It's share your story. Only one person has used the share your story section of our website, and that was to complain. Um, <clears throat> we have a share your story section on our website. Uh, it's under the contact us. If you hold your mouse over contact us, you'll see prayer requests and share your story. What is God doing in your life right now? How are you seeing him move in your life? I hope you are. If you aren't, pray, God, give me eyes to see. Because he moves on behalf of his people. Amen. Amen. First <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 4. We are writing these things to you so that you may fully share our joy. Go ahead. You can read it out loud. So that you may fully share our joy. This is John, the Apostle John. Okay, or Disciple John, whichever one you like to refer to. Share your joy. We can share in John's joy. John is one who laid his head on Jesus' chest. He heard Jesus' heartbeat. He knew him. He was the closest friend to Jesus. And he's saying, we're writing these things to you so that you can share in the joy that I have. We're supposed to share our story. We're supposed to, this joy of the Lord that is my strength, when people look to you and they ask to give you, that they ask you for a reason, why are you so happy? I pray that they get upset with you because you're too happy. I, I, honestly, see, so many Christians, we go around beaten down in our face. I mean, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. He does not disappoint. If you're dealing with depression, I think maybe this is the day to, to let the shackles come off. Okay, the, we're, we're talking about the presence of God. And when you understand God's word, something happens. If you don't understand God's word, then we need to start talking. Because if you want what I'm talking about, if you want that freedom, you want that forgiveness. You see, our faith should not be something that we keep private. That's your blank, kept private. Our relationship with Christ is never meant to be kept private, but shared with everyone. Kept private, shared. Our relationship with Christ is never meant to be kept private, but shared with everyone. But Joel, I'm not like you. I'm not outgoing like that. Doesn't matter. I'm not the one telling you. Jesus says in John 15, 8, that when you produce much fruit, you show you are his disciple. And what does fruit look like? 
a life that is honoring to him. And when you walk in obedience to his command and what is his command, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, baptize them, teach them and train them. That is Jesus command. It is not an suggestion. It's not a suggestion or an, an option. If you don't like it, deal with God. Your heart, present it to God as an offering. This is really challenging me. I don't, I don't like this. I don't, I don't go up to perfect strangers. Well, they're not perfect anyways. I don't go up to, to strangers and just start a conversation. I don't know. No, but you can. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. Well, there's a, a sign in our lobby there, that, the, the billboard, the, the TV that's got these little slides going around. One that says, when you're talking, meeting somebody new, it says, talk about life, L-I-F-E. Location, where are you from? Interests and hobbies, friends and families, experiences. If you don't know how to talk to people, come talk to us. Talk to the pastors here. Talk to... Talk to the other people in your home groups that we're going to be starting with Reflect. Share your joy. And here's the last thing, because I'm done. We got these invite you cards. And they are just for Christmas. We, you see that we have a new banner. It says Merry Christmas out there. Um, as you walk in, I've handed four of these out um, already. And I'm hoping to, to see those people. I had a good conversation. One of them started off because their kid is probably going to end up in jail. And so I invited him to our men's breakfast, second Saturday of every month. If you don't know about it, now you do. Second Saturday of every month, men's breakfast. Be there. And I invited him to Christmas. I invited another lady at, that I met in, at Kroger's. I, and this isn't patting myself on the back. It's just that easy to talk about things, to it's Christmas time. So why not say, hey, are you going anywhere to, for Christmas church, Christmas Eve service? We have one here, Christmas Eve, 7 o'clock. If you don't know about it, it's on the inside of this. All right? Um, this is a simple invite you card. It is not effective to leave it with your tip on your table and hope the waitress has inspiration to come. It's by personal invitation. When you talk to them and hand it to them, Write your cell phone number on the blank spaces in here. It's personal invitation. We need to see people come into Christ. We need to see fruit in our lives. Amen? So I want to challenge you. If you look in your bulletin there, you'll see those three things um, on the notes. It says, what do I delight in? Uh, the difference between joy, happiness and joy. Okay. Yeah, there you go. I want you guys to take and, and dwell on those things. I, I want you to to reflect on the message. If you want to, uh, you guys need to hear this message again. So guess what? You can go to our website, timefornewlife.com. I sound like a, com a commercial or an infomercial or something. But seriously, we're, we're trying to do all these things to, to network us together, our hearts together, and, and to see you find a way that you, re, you see the greatness of God. That we want to put your hand in God's hand. And we're trying to do all these things. So, so you can listen to the website, listen to the message on the website. You'll see our current sermon series. It looks like the, the globe there. Um, can you put that up there? 
just the globe, the, the, thank you, Global God. You'll see that banner on our homepage. Click it and you'll go to our sermons. You can listen to the message as many times as you need. People need to know about Jesus. People need to know about joy that's eternal, that's everlasting, and it should be something that they see in you. And it's something that that they expect when they come to God, when they come to church to experience God. So I want to challenge you. I'm just going to pause for for 10 seconds. I want to challenge you to hear from God two people. So close your eyes. God, would you give me two people that I'm going to share my story with this week? When you've got two people that you know that God is putting on your heart, you're going to share your story of the greatness of God in your life. Will you raise your hand when you've got those two people that you're going to share your story with? This is not about comfort. This is about obedience. It's not about personality. It's about salvation. When you've got those two people, would you raise your hand? Maybe this is really tough for you. So you can put your hands down. I want to encourage you guys, don't let this, don't walk out the door today and leave this behind. We got the joy of the Lord that is our strength. I am the joy of the Lord. And there's so many depressed, downtrodden people out there that need an eternal, everlasting joy that comes from relationship with Christ. And my comfort isn't worth their damnation. And you'll be my witnesses when you give somebody a simple card. See, the body of Christ is getting stuck on somebody else doing the stuff and and not saying anything. and It's like we're ashamed. We know what the Bible says about that, don't we? And yet it doesn't really haunt us somehow sometimes. I think we're too quick to get embarrassed or get frail and pull back instead of advance. The kingdom's advanced. Amen. And he's waiting for us to be a voice. So it, it, we made them so that 250 cards could last this year and next year. I hope they don't. It just says Sunday at 1030 a.m., Christmas Eve at 7, uh, 7 p.m. And um, they can scan this card. And you'll find out something kind of cool about it. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to tell you what's on there. If they, they'll scan this card, then this triggers something else that, that happens. And um, we'll find, you'll find out we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. So, who, uh, how many of take? you should take four or five of these. Jeannie told me last night that she had, uh, she'd given, she had a couple of them. She gave them away without hearing the sermon. And so I gave her the ones out of my pocket so she can give them away too because I have them in my car. If you go out there right now, you'll find them in the
the middle in my dashboard. I've got them in my Bible. I've got them in everything that I'm going to be. It's in my wallet so that everybody I meet, I'm talking to. There was a family next to us uh, yesterday eating lunch, and uh, they were talking about the fact that they hadn't been invited anywhere. I'm like, this is too good, God. They were angry at their children because there must be some sort of strife going on, and they weren't invited for somehow. And there was a little bit of sadness in their hearts. And I was kind of like, so what do you normally do? I didn't say, hey, I'm a pastor. I just said, so what do you guys normally do? Uh, We normally go over and we go like 7 o'clock and we have dinner and then we go to midnight mass and that tells me something too. And uh, so you're not invited. Were you still going to midnight mass? Well, yeah, probably. I mean, there's nothing not really else to do. Glaring, hello, ours is 7 p.m. You can come to this and then come hang out a little while and still make it to yours. But you can just come and... We're putting together, it's not a big production. We try to be who we really are all the time, not just put on some special function. Amen? All right, you've been very patient and kind. Joel has, uh, I believe it is the word of the Lord. We know it is because it's in Scripture. The issue is, is what are you going to do to wrestle with that and internalize it to the degree that you become obedient in all things, that it becomes external? Amen? He wants it to... Dominate internal so that it dominates what's on the outside. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. If you weren't planning on coming to our Christmas party tonight, come anyway. If you don't have something to bring, bring a bag of chips. Bring a bottle of soda. You don't have to cook fancy. It's finger foods. It says, bring a gift. We suggested somewhere around 10 bucks. I've already, I've got door prizes that are pretty cool. Um, if you got the most terrible gift of the night, you're going to get one of those door prizes. I can tell you one of them is a gift card to uh, Outback, unless you're not a meat eater. Then I'll keep it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hope, peace, joy, and we know we're coming up to love. And we're coming up to the fulfillment of that, that you so loved the whole world, the whole stinking world that you gave your own son, your only, one and only, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So, God, thank you for this. Uh, It's just that we don't celebrate that once a year. We celebrate it all the time in our own hearts. It has given us hope, peace, and joy. Lord, I thank you for each person in the hearing. I pray that you'll, you'll amplify and magnify your word to us, that our hearts will dwell on it, will meditate on it, God, uh, either consciously, intently, or that you'll just bring it back to our remembrance. And we thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. We thank you that you'll give us uh, the, the courage, that you'll help us to be brave, that, God, we might serve you and make you known that we might be your witnesses, even if it's only handing somebody a little card, expressing care and concern. We love you, Jesus, and we love the fact that you're so patient toward us. Father, we speak, as always, that according to your goodness and kindness, we exist for such a time, we made for such a time as this. God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, Father, we pray for the conviction 
of the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us into all truth that we might live righteous, set apart for you, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go out and look where you're going to light some.